Welcome to the Six Figure Roadmap, brought to you by LVRG.it. Leverage it, saving you money on the tools, software, and courses you use to grow your business every single day. Now, here's your host, Cam Martinez. All right, welcome back to another week of the Six Figure Roadmap, everyone. I'm here with Mr. Greg Hickman. He's going to be talking about productizing, automating, keeping your business super simple, and how to use those to leverage your journey to hitting six figures and beyond in your business. Greg, welcome to the show, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Absolutely, absolutely. So, so walk me through what you like to help other entrepreneurs with. Yes, I mean, we primarily have been working with digital agency owners, service providers, freelancers, um, you know, that have kind of in some way, shape or form become like the, the technician, so to speak, whether it's for their clients, um, multiple clients or just one client that are just like kind of done doing being the labor, you know, being the glorified freelancer, uh, you know, they're capped out on how many clients they can actually serve because they're spending all of their time in fulfillment and helping them add on revenue streams that just give them more of their time back. And like you kind of alluded to productizing the service and, you know, adding things like coaching programs or training education elements to their service offering really starts to give them a lot of their time back because they go back to selling their expertise and not just as I call the hands to keyboard work. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's really who we serve is those people that are just kind of fed up, tired, capped out, exhausted from doing the work for others and really want to start building a business, uh, selling their own knowledge and, and all that stuff. I love it guys. If that sounds like you, this is definitely going to be an interview that you want to stick around for because you know, it's so often on that journey to six figures in your business. In the beginning, you usually are super hands-on and it's, it seems difficult to step out of that and actually, like you said, sell your knowledge and implement things like coaching programs. So walk us through, you know, what steps should be taken to start to move towards that? Yeah, I think, you know, the simplest place to start is, you know, if you have clients looking at what are the activities that you're doing for them that are yielding like the biggest return and kind of getting them to where they want to. And usually for every time I've seen it, it's the, the, the folks that have kind of narrowed in on a particular type of avatar. Um, You know, they work with a specific type of client versus all of the clients. Um, They'll usually get to this, get to the answer of what my productized service or what my coaching program might look like because they've been working with the same type of person, solving the same type of problems over and over and over again. Um, and then, yeah, kind of like 80, 20 of, all right, like I do these 10 things for this client. Um, which are the, you know, 20% that actually get them to the result that they hired me for. And how do I start deleting, you know, and eliminating the things that are not those things. Uh, so that you could say, Hey, like I am really good at solving this problem for this type of person. And I even have a process for solving it, um, is really where I start to to look at. So again, just kind of dissecting your existing service offering where the client's getting the most bang for the buck. Do you enjoy that also is a key, a key question to ask. Cause if you don't like doing it and they value it, 
you're going to burn out anyway, because you don't actually enjoy it. So it kind of needs to be the combination of you have a passion for it, you have the skill set, and then there's a market that actually needs that thing. And again, if you have clients, you should know if they need that thing or not. Hmm. And then this is the process that allows you to scale and create long longevity, correct? Yeah. I mean, everything that I've found and, you know, you'll hear other people talking about it too, for sure is, um, the simplicity scales, like the more complex your business, the harder it is to grow. And, you know, especially in this online entrepreneurship space, you know, all the people that I know that are doing, you know, seven figures and beyond, most of them sell like one or two things, like that's it. They have one or two offers, uh, either it's a program or a consulting program or it's a productized service. And the, the one or two of them is what got them to the seven figure rate. And it's just kind of maintaining that simplicity and not having all of the different variations of the service and the, you know, the different levels and the tiers because it just starts to add complexity. And so again, back to that 80, 20 is like, if a client had a problem, do you need to do those 10 things to solve it? Or can you solve it with three? If you can solve it with three, then you don't need the other seven. So like stop doing it and your life will be a whole lot easier. Interesting. I love, I love the fact that, you know, your company and what you do exists because it's so necessary, especially when you reach that kind of peak, as you were saying at the beginning where you are capped out on the amount of clients you can, you can take because you're so hands-on. Yeah. I think, you know, the reality is like for, you know, those are, that are listening that either just got started or kind of in their, in the beginning stages of their journey, doing this, offering a service is hands down the fastest way to start making money and building your own business. The problem is it caps out really quickly. Uh, you know, there's only so many clients you can serve at one time. Yes, you can hire people, but people are, are while it's a form of leverage is usually the weakest form of leverage. And most service providers and agencies that I've come across, it's that kind of classic case of, all right, I got three clients, I'm making money and I don't know where the next client is coming from, but my existing client asked me if I could do these other things that I don't really know how to do, but like, I don't want to lose them as a client. So I say yes. And now like I just expanded the skill set in which I need to be successful, uh, which every time you start adding new certifications and adding new things that you're going to do just to keep a client, it becomes harder to create a system to get a client repeatable results, which is why most people end up being in that position of every time I get a client, it's like starting from scratch. And, you know, everything I do for each client is custom because I'm solving a different problem every single time. And that is just, you're going to burn out and you see it time and time again. And what usually ends up happening is like, if you remember when you first got hired, it's not just because you were the labor, it's because you actually had some level of expertise and knowledge that your client didn't have. So in part, in the early stages, you were getting paid for your thinking with the labor and every single service-based business, I don't care what service you are, the longer that you are with a client, the more that they devalue you. <laughs> and like the value of your labor goes down over time, which is why you, a lot of service providers run into that situation of, hey, like we actually think we can get this cheaper somewhere else or we're going to bring this in-house now. Like all of that is because 
at some point the labor is a commodity and there's people all over the world that can do those exact same labor intensive things. The thing that not everyone can do is come up with the strategies and the frameworks, which is why we need to go back to packaging up our thinking and our expertise as a part of the solution, not just the fact that, you know, I can click a couple buttons on a keyboard and, and do the work for you. Um, and so, yeah, like if you're just getting started and you don't have any business, like do the work first, because by doing the work, you're going to start making money and you're going to start to see what problems you can actually solve that people are willing to pay for. But you don't want to stay in that position of doing labor forever unless, again, you want to try to build out like a crazy big agency. More often than not, I'm finding people don't want to do, uh, which is why we've been helping them add on these things that are not agency services. There's plenty of coaches out there that will teach you how to grow an agency in the traditional sense of an agency. And we're kind of the non-traditional sense of an agency. Interesting. So I have two questions from, from yeah. what you just said. The first one, it's kind of niche, kind of uh, directed towards one kind of, of coach. Speaking of a like health coach or a training yeah. coach who is developing personalized training plans, how do you go about systemizing and creating a framework around something that really tends to be personal to your each individual client. So if I'm hearing this correctly, like the example of a health coach who's doing personalized health plans. Yeah. Like a nutrition plan or a workout regimen. How do you go about creating a framework or systemizing something like that? Yeah. I mean, I think, look, I'm not trying to eliminate all elements of personalization and customization. Um, so it's trying to get to that, like, 80% of my business or more, 90% is repeatable, it's standardized. And um, within the, that standardization, there's opportunities for some customization. So like, as an example, like a health coach, like say they focused on just paleo, like, okay, well, that helps narrow down the, the type of food recommendations you need to make. If you're a coach that does fitness and like you're focused on like, Hey, like these are my five go-to routines for someone who is, you know, a male entrepreneur who's, you know, looking to put on weight. <laughs> like these are the five things that you're going to have to do. And maybe you have a handful of those kind of in your back pocket, pocket templatized. And it's just like a doctor prescribing something, you know, they don't need to have offer all of those options, but they kind of know because they serve a particular type of person um, here's the activities that you should be doing to build strength. And they probably have three to four go-to routines. Hey, here's the beginner routine. Here's like the intermediate routine. And here's like the advanced. And you got to go through each of those stages and you'll see that the, the exercises get, you know, progressively more difficult. But like th those could all have been written up and documented before ever getting started. Um, again, like the, the more that you can serve a specific problem, I think the easier is going to be to have leverage in a lot of the solution and fulfillment because you're solving the same, like other people, you're just helping other people with the exact same problem. Um, again, there's still room for some customization in there, but if 80 to 90% of what you do is repeatable, then you're going to have a little bit more free time to add in those custom elements that will go the extra mile for that client. Yeah. I love it. Love like, it. Like, like, let me give you an example from a, like my own story. Um, 
like when we were building funnels for people, like we used to be like a funnel and automation agency. Um, like we saw three go-to versions of webinar funnels, right? Um, the only thing that really made them different was the copy that was in the emails and the landing page designed, right? And which for us, we actually didn't do either of those. They gave us those pieces and we just connected all of it. But like they gave us the email, we put them into the, you know, the webinar funnel of choice. And, you know, they came to us to be like, well, you know, how often do I follow up? How do I segment? And we said, hey, look, version one, we do basic segmentation. Here's that campaign. Here's how that works. But for us, those were all pre-built you know, like 85% built, we just got to put the copy and stuff like that. And so the effort to build that campaign, I, I've already built it from scratch a long time ago. So I don't need to keep building it from scratch, right? Like I'm always starting 80% of the way done, which saves me a crap ton of time in getting my clients to the results faster. Right. And so I think that's how you need to look at it. Like, how do you have, I call it preloaded done for you. Like, how do you have most of the work that your client's going to need done before they've actually even become a client? And the only way you know that is because you've solved that same problem enough that you already know what they're going to need. And when they come in, you just give it to them and it's like already halfway done, if not more. Yes. Yes. <laughs> that no, it's awesome. Go in depth for me real quick on the things that service providers, since that seems to be, the bulk of, of who could use this information the most can like go in depth on the things that they need to, to set up in order to start systemizing the work that they're doing this, the problems that they're solving. Yeah. Uh, I mean, high level, like I think the reality is that like we actually personally fell into this because we started doing, again, we were like, Hey, like, let's build you an automated sales machine. And the, you know, a service provider would come to us and be like, Oh my God, like I would love to have my lead generation and my sales process automated. And we're like, all right, cool. We can help you do that. And then they would come and I'd say, all right, well, what do you sell? And like, what do you mean? Like, well, I have these like 15 different services and depending upon what the client needs, like uh, I'll give it to them. I was like, Oh, that's why you don't have anything automated because you can't automate a unique outcome. <laughs> so like once we help them narrow down what it is they actually did, that enabled us to be able to go create a, a repeatable system. Um, that's what allows you to have a, an automated sales funnel and a webinar funnel or whatever, a case study funnel. Like it needs to have a narrative, a narrative that takes them through a story to sell one thing. And so if you're a service provider where you do all of the things, that's likely the reason why you don't have an automated sales funnel or automated lead generation because you can't go and automate. We do everything for everybody. And so getting that granularity on like, who do we serve and what do we help them with is like the foundations to being able to create any sort of a system. Um, because again, if it's unique every single time, even if you document it and create a process for it, if you only go through that process randomly a couple times a year, you're not really going to gain that many efficiencies from having that system in the first place. But if you deliver the same thing multiple times a week and you create a process and harness automation to like make your life easier, well, now you've just shaved off tons and tons of time that would have been going towards you actually doing work. <clears throat> so, um, kind of a backhanded way, I guess, of answering the question is like, 
if you're a service provider, freelance or whatever, the first step is usually cutting out a bunch of crap and figuring out like what actually you do. From there, we automate from the inside out. So like the closest point to the transaction is the sales process. So we automate your sales process first because uh, what we found is, you know, service providers, because you do a lot of, of the work, you probably, if I gave you 10 clients right now, you probably couldn't accept all of them because you don't have the bandwidth to do the work. But if you streamline your sales process uh, and you're getting on the phone with the right people and the sales system is actually putting the qualified people on your calendar and rejecting the others, you'll actually go from having less, you'll, you'll go to having less sales calls, but the fewer calls you're having are going to be way more qualified and way more likely to close because a lot of service providers do all of the things they'll talk to just about anybody and they could be on 10 sales calls a week and not close a single person because they can't help any of them. And they were just kind of fingers crossed, hoping that this is going to be someone that they can help, but it doesn't work out. And so they just wasted 10 hours of their time. Whereas if they just got on the phone with only the two of those people that were qualified, yes, they have less calls, but they've also gained eight hours back, you know? Um, So we start from the inside out. First, we do the sales process. So how do we streamline how you sell? How do you qualify prospects? Um, and how do you follow up with the people that are in your pipeline? That's typically where we start. Um, then we also look on the other side of the transaction is how do you onboard new clients? So when someone gives you the money, what happens next? You know, most service providers have no process. They'll have a kickoff call that has no script or no you know, no uh, kind of choreography to it. And then it was inefficient. So they have to have like another one. And so now you're have another call that was not supposed to be had. So already going into scope creep, eating into your margins. And so once you deliver the same thing over and over again, or at least, you know, deliver one thing versus all of the things, you can start to choreograph what a client experiences when they first pay. And what we found is when you do it right, you can often two to three times your client onboarding capacity just by streamlining it. So if you could only ever handle, um, you know, 10 clients at a time, just by optimizing your sales process and your onboarding, you could double that. So right there, you just doubled your business. (laughs) So um, like in essence, there's obviously a little bit more to it than that, but you know, that's, that doesn't mean we're spending more on ads. Like all we did was increase our capacity to work with more people. Um, and so, yeah, again, starting from the inside out sales process into onboarding, then we start moving into looking to automate the lead generation process because like most service providers, if you get a client, well, you go into fulfillment mode and all of your sales and marketing stop. And then the client project is done and you like scramble back to sales and marketing and you're like going to networking events and you know, trying to scramble to find where the next client is coming from. So if we can always have leads coming in, always filling our pipeline and that sales process is, you know, making sure that we're only on the phone with the right people, we've just become way more efficient so that while I'm working on client work, my sales and marketing is actually still working for me. Um, That's really kind of the sequence of events that we take people through. Talk to me about what you mean when you say streamlining and document. Yeah. So obviously when you go to do something, there's probably a way to do it in fewer steps. Uh, So 
typically we have people kind of document their existing process and then see what pieces can be removed to get them through that result faster. Um, so, you know, the high level example is like, maybe it was taking you 10 clicks when it could have taken you three, like how much time do we just save in the grand scheme of things? Or instead of us completing this questionnaire, what if it was automatically sent to the client and they completed it? And so now it's being, now a client's already getting started on the onboarding and we haven't even had to hop on a call yet. So really looking at like, um, what are the major milestones of the thing that we're trying to accomplish and how do we achieve that in the fewest steps without compromising the quality of work um, is what I mean by streamlining. And then documenting obviously is, you know, how do you then take that and put that onto a piece of paper so that you can effectively hand that piece of paper to anybody else that you hire and they can do it 80% as good as you. So that's really where you start to start really finding leverage is all right. Like if someone came into my organization to do sales, I can hand them the sales playbook and they'll be able to go through that and very, in a very short amount of time, be up to speed in how to sell within our sales process. Um, So streamlines how I hire people, gets them up to speed a lot faster. I get the results of having that person come on because they don't have to come and create this whole thing. I've already created it for them. Uh, so that's really what I mean by streamline and then uh, document. Mm, love that. I love that. I, I've found with just peers that I know that are entrepreneurs when they first started out, they were like, oh my, like, I don't even know what an SOP is. I don't know how to document. Like I'm just kind of this is my thing and I know how to do it. And it's in the back of my mind. And then when they go to bring on new clients or grow their business, like you've been talking about this whole time, they can't because they don't have that stuff in place. Yeah. I think what's interesting is uh, I hear a lot of people say, you know, I need to create a system. And the reality is the system's already there. It's just not, it hasn't been captured yet. Like if a client came to any one of you listening and asked you to do X, Y, Z, you would move through a process most likely that you've done before. It's just all in your head. And so we just need to get it out of your head and onto paper into at least some sort of like step-by-step checklist as version one. Um, And that oftentimes that's like all you really need. And so the system is already there. It's just not captured and documented anywhere. You don't need to go create this thing from scratch. And if you don't currently have a, an actual process for the thing that we're trying to systemize, you would go find someone that already has a system for it and start by modeling theirs. And again, that's just you're capturing somebody else's system for whatever sales process or for launching a Facebook ad or for whatever the thing is you're trying to create a process for or a system for. It's you're not creating anything. It's already there. You just got to, you just got to capture it and get it out of your head. Yes. Thank you for saying that. (laughs) Greg, I want to ask you a few rapid fire questions to get to know you a little bit better. Yeah, man. What is one non-negotiable habit you implement every day? Driving my son to, to daycare. Like I'll do that every day. What do you like to spend your time and money on outside of business? Oh man. Uh, experiences with my family. Uh, we have a two and a half year old son. So, you know, getting outside with him, uh, we just went camping. So, you know, those sorts of things, just more experiential than, um, you know, toys. Love it. Love it. What has been the best book you've read this year? Ooh, that's a tough one. Uh, I would say the road less stupid by Keith Cunningham. 
Interesting. What is that about? Uh, it's about thinking time and how important it is for us as entrepreneurs to actually make time for thinking, which in the thinking in, in, in at the end of the, or at the end of every chapter, kind of, he talks about, um, kind of a specific area and then he gives you a handful of questions to just think about. And so he'll say, Hey, go grab. He's like, now that you're done reading, uh, here's a, you know, here are 10 questions you can go ask yourself, go like sit there in quiet with a pen and paper and start answering these questions. And you know, the, the quality of our results is based on the quality of the questions. And, um, you need time to think through those things. And I think a lot of us as entrepreneurs are so like, go, 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 that we're not actually spending enough time thinking about, uh, you know, kind of equipping ourselves with the information to make educated decisions. And so we rush through a lot of things and I think are pretty wasteful. So if you want to learn about thinking time, I would 100% uh, say read that book. Love it. What are some tools that you use in your business that you probably couldn't live without? Uh, active campaign for sure. It's like the brains of the operation. Um, Slack to communicate with my team because we're fully distributed. Then Loom, um, you know, talk about documenting SOPs and stuff like that, you know, quick recording a screen share using a tool called Loom um, allows me to record a quick video, send it off and have someone go document something. I'd say those are the three that I most definitely couldn't live without off the top of my head. Love all three of those. Absolutely. (laughs) Do you have any last words of wisdom or advice for the people listening? Uh, yeah. Um, so actually it was just on another podcast with a friend of mine. Um, and we talked a lot about, uh, like vision and defining success. And, uh, it came from a place where, uh, late last year into early this year, even, um, I kind of got caught up personally in chasing other people's goals. And I think in this whole online entrepreneur space, you know, building the six, seven, eight figure business, very easily it's possible to adopt someone else's definition of success because we didn't spend our own thinking time to determine what success meant to us. And very quickly you could be off implementing or doing activities that really are going to bring you closer to someone else's goal than your goal. And, you know, with all the social media and all that stuff, like you always see obviously the highlight reel of everyone's life And, uh, I think my advice would be take time to actually write down what it is you want and why you want it. And when you say you're successful, what will that look like? Because until you define it for yourself, you're really operating in fantasy land. Uh, you're likely just adopted somebody else's goals and, you know, you'll be a few years down the road and realize that, the thing you're chasing isn't even something that you want. And the great thing about the world we live in today is, as you know, like it's pretty easy to build a business that, you know, at a minimum can generate you six figures a year and start to give you the lifestyle you want without having to work for somebody else. But as you keep growing, and if you want to keep growing, being clear on why you're doing that and what it is you actually want to achieve where you'll feel satisfied and successful uh, knowing that is like going to be your anchor. Um, and I think you'll make a lot, uh, a lot better and wiser decisions for yourself versus just, uh, 
doing something because it like might look cool or because somebody else has that thing. Uh, it won't get you, won't get you as far as, as you probably would think. So stop, think, write down what success means to you so that you don't let other people define it for you. Major, major words of wisdom right there. I appreciate you sharing that. Yeah, man. Great. Thank you for your your time and your wisdom on the podcast today. Where can people go to learn more about this stuff from me? Because it's it, it kind of is the backbone and foundation of really any, I'm going to use your terminology, successful business. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I, I'll say two places. Um, if you search Greg Hickman on YouTube, um, you'll see ton of videos, high level, you know, strategy tools, tactics on things you could be doing to start systematizing your business. Like we've been talking about, um, plenty of free training there. And then I would say if you are uh, some sort of agency owner or service provider that is like, yeah, that's not for me. I'd rather start like packaging up my intellectual property and make a course or coach, be a coach of some sort. Uh, I have a case study at system.ly forward slash case hyphen study, um, walks through the exact steps that I went through and that we take our clients through. So I think it'll give you a good perspective on how do you start looking at the result that you can be selling to your clients so that you can start creating systems around it. Amazing. I will put all that stuff in the show notes. You'll be able to link directly to both of those resources on this episode. Greg, again, thank you so much for being on the show. Yeah. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. Cheers, everyone. Thank you for tuning in to another week of the Six Figure Roadmap. You've been listening to the Six Figure Roadmap. If you enjoyed this episode, please be sure to subscribe and leave a review. To learn more about our membership, visit us online at www.lvrg.it.